There are only two things in life that are guaranteed. Death and taxes. With death being the ultimate tax you pay for living. I'm Frank Martinez from This Really Happened, where we tell true stories and how they've affected our lives. In today's episode, we're talking about witnessing death. Stay with us. The beans are about to spill. When I was a kid growing up, we didn't play on tablets. We didn't watch TV all day long. We played in the streets. One of our favorite games to play in the street was Manhunt. And the whole premise behind this game is you have one person that is it, right? It's sort of like tag. But you got to grab the person and then you say, manhunt, manhunt, one, two, three, right? And then that means that that person turns into your team. So it's basically like a zombie variation of a game. One day we're playing manhunt. One of our friends disappears. The rule is you could only play around the block that we live in. You can go into the basements. You can't go into the roofs and you can't go into your house. We had a friend of ours that was notorious for going to his house and eating dinner and watching TV with his family, then coming out two hours later like nobody ever caught him. And we started smartening up. We started, when he was the last guy, we started going to his house and knocking on his door, and here he is. So on this day, he was the one that was it. It's basically a hide-and-seek zombie game. And while you're on the streets, you see stuff. You know, you have your local drug dealers over there making their deals, and that's no big deal. That's their business. That's what they're doing to make a living. And nobody is a rat, you know. And then you have your guys that are showing off, you know, doing whatever it is that they're doing, driving by real slow in their fancy cars, or riding down the street in their motorcycles. We're playing Manhunt, and there is a guy doing willies on his motorcycle up and down the block. And we're like, man, this is, this is cool. You know, so while we're playing our manhunt game, we're watching this guy do his stunts. The guy comes down the street in a full-blown wheelie on his motorcycle. At the end of the block, there was a taxi cab. And in New York, the private taxi cabs are normally Lincoln's. So they're longer vehicles. This taxi cab was doing a U-turn at the end of the block. Motorcycle stunt guy is flying down the street and didn't realize that this taxi cab was making a U-turn. By the time he realized what was happening, it was too late. He was not able to get his front wheel down and his front wheel hit the, the top of the taxi cab and then he fell off the bike and the bike fell on his head. I had no idea how much blood is inside somebody's head. The bike popped his head like a grape. The blood literally channeling down the street into the gutter. And we witnessed that, all of us, all of the kids. We saw that. 
And I believe that was the first death that I witnessed with my own eyes. And it didn't affect me as I expected it to be. I felt nothing, and this is at a really young age, people. I did not feel sorrow. I did not feel scared. I didn't have nightmares. I understood at a very young age that that's what happens. People die. And no matter how gruesome the death is, it's still exactly that, a fact of life. You live and you die. And growing up in New York, we weren't any strangers to violence. Every now and then, a shootout would break out. And we were scared to death. We lived on the first floor. So we would jump out of our beds and hit the deck. Gunshots everywhere. People screaming. Scared to death. And this was before we witnessed the guy's head getting crushed by the motorcycle. My sister and I got to a point where the shootouts were so frequent that we would get out of our beds, hit the deck, and after the firing stopped, we would go back to sleep. It was just a fact of life growing in New York. Drugs played a very, very critical role in shaping the neighborhood. Halloween in a Dominican neighborhood is not your typical Halloween. You guys are familiar with people throwing rotten eggs and, <laughs> and doing a lot of uh, tricking. But in a Dominican neighborhood, they didn't just only throw eggs. I'm walking down the street and I'm getting bombarded with groceries. I got hit by eggs. I got hit by an onion, I got hit by a plantain, I got hit by a yucca. And the only reason why I knew I got hit by those things is because I smelled it when it hit me. <laughs> so I'm running towards my house for safety. What these kids would do is they would perch themselves up on the roofs of the buildings and they would throw stuff down at the innocent bystanders that are walking by. One Halloween, there were kids on the roof throwing stuff down and hitting everybody, and half of the fun of Halloween is seeing if you can dodge all the stuff that they're throwing. So we're out there. I don't know if we were playing Manhunt or what we were doing, but we were actively dodging everything that they were throwing. I'm in front of my house on the Post side. We lived on Academy and Post in the Dykeman neighborhood. And some of these drug dealer guys are walking down the street and they get bombarded with eggs. And I'm like, oh man, these guys got rocked. It's very crazy out today. We should uh, think about going home. Stood out on the street for another three to four minutes. Then all of a sudden you hear A kid got thrown off the roof. A kid. Not an adult. A child. Was thrown off of a roof to his death because he hit somebody with some eggs. 
I can't say for sure who was the person that threw him off the roof. But we saw the kid hit the floor. The police come, the ambulance comes. There's nothing they can do for that kid. He fell six stories. Now, I'm speculating, I believe, because maybe he didn't get thrown off the roof. Maybe he just fell. Because we did play on the roofs of these buildings, and we would, from one end of the block to the other, race on the roofs until the end of the block. And if you made one false move, you're falling down six stories. So it's very possible that that kid might have fallen, and it's very possible that he got thrown off the roof. And yet, that was another death that we witnessed. I really didn't know what that turned out to be, because I wasn't a person that watched the news when I was a kid. And you don't ask these kinds of questions to the parents of the kid. You're not going to roll up to them and be like, Oh, hey, yeah, I heard what happened to your kitty. Uh, so what did they figure out? Did he get thrown off or did he fall off the roof? That's not just something that you ask somebody. So they took, uh, they took preventative measures and they started locking up the exits to the roof so that kids wouldn't play up there and you could avoid people falling off of the roof in air quotes. But you're not going to keep kids down. We would come from the basements and then we would f climb up the fire escapes all the way to the roof and still play on the roof. Where there's a will, there's a way, huh? We would do all kinds of crazy stuff out there and there were some times where people had come close to falling. It's very dangerous stuff. We did a lot of dangerous stuff as kids and thinking about it now as I'm an adult, I'm like, why? the fuck did we do that? Free climbing rocks three stories high to take a shortcut? One false move, you're falling three stories. At best, you're breaking your legs. At worst, you land on your head and you're dead. We were pretty dumb. We put our lives at risk every single day. Every single day. After the break, we're going to continue with two more stories. Big Willie getting his brains blown out right in front of our faces, and the Fast and Furious biker that got chopped in half. Stay with us. The beans will continue to spill. Welcome back. I got a little bit older, and I would regularly visit my father's house. My father lived on 207th Street and 10th Avenue. We had the pleasure of having our living room facing the street, about 10 to 15 feet away from my father's living room is the one and nine train. When I first moved to my father's house, if you heard the episode of The Real Mommy Dearest, my mom cracked me over the head with a pearl-handled brush, and I blocked it when she went for the killing blow. I moved to my dad's house. 
And once I got to my dad's house, I was like, I'm never going to be able to sleep here. Every 15 minutes, this train is running through, literally shaking the whole house. But the human mind is, is really resilient. After a week of living there, I did not hear the train anymore. I would have to be looking for it in order to hear it. My brain just automatically tuned out the train, the rumbling of the train. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing what the human mind is capable of doing. One of the things that I liked to do in my father's house was sit on the fire escape and look outside and just people watch. If you never people watched, you're doing yourself a great disservice and you should do it. We didn't have that many TVs in the house. My father had his television that he would watch his sports all day and his news all day in his little office. And then my mom had a TV in the living room and she would watch her soap operas. And I wasn't interested in any of that stuff. So every now and then my sisters and I would sit on the fire escape. We would listen to some music or just look at the people downstairs. And I mean, what better... We, we had reality TV before reality TV was even a thing. I remember one day, I'm sitting in the fire escape, and downstairs, directly in view to the lower right, was a grocery store. And at this grocery store, you had your locals playing dominoes. Dominoes was a game that people played for fun, they played for money. They played for wives. <laughs> they played for drugs. Dominoes is something that you played for anything. And you would have the, the players that normally would frequent that and play that every day. So it was basically the same crowd all the time. You had your people that were playing. It's a four-player game. And then you had your guys that were next. That day, regular, typical afternoon in the summer. The ladies are walking by looking fine. Sundresses. Short shorts. Let's put it this way. They were literally leaving nothing to the imagination. And I'm a young, I'm a young boy. Out there watching these ladies walk back and forth. If that's one thing that you have to give New York credit, the women over there are fine. You don't believe me? Go to Fordham Road in the summer. Don't cross Grand Concourse. Just make sure you're on the Grand Concourse side of Fordham Road and just walk up and down Fordham Road all the way from Grand Concourse to Jerome. And then from Jerome back to Grand Concourse where all the shopping is at. You can thank me later. Well, anyway, today, typical summer day, 2, 3 p.m., everybody is out and about. New York never sleeps. The city is completely alive, 24-7. Minding my business, people watching as I usually do, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy crossing the street. And he's walking towards the grocery store. Didn't pay much attention. I'd looked left towards where the entrance of the train station was to see if any cuties were coming down the stairs. 
and then I hear, Kang! One shot fired. I look back to the right to the grocery store, and someone has shot one of the main drug dealer guys of that section of this neighborhood in the head while he was playing dominoes. His buddy is carrying this guy, trying to hold his brain in his head and trying to hail a cab to get him to the hospital. That's what hopelessness feels like, people. You're believing that there's a chance that you can save your friend and he's already dead in your arms. You already know what happened after that. The police come rushing, the ambulance come, this guy's blood and brain fragments are all over the place in the middle of the street. His friend is crying. It was a professional hit. If you guys don't believe that that occurs, if you think that that's something that happens in the movies, well, let me tell you something. This happens in real life. There are people that will kill other people for money. I'm sorry to break it to you. I witnessed a kid, a literal kid, 14, 15 years old, go and blow a competing drug dealer's head off for $500. That's the kind of world that we live in, folks. That is your impoverished neighborhoods. It got so bad in Dykeman that the police were posted up on the blocks and it really impacted the drug market and rightfully so because that was the main issue, the main causing of all this death and violence. It was really messed up. We have stories that we can probably fill three to four hours of a podcast with. I stick to just a couple of main ones and ones that are not so incriminating, because if we're talking about the realm of death and witnessing death, there's a lot of things that we can't say without getting into a lot of trouble. The next story I'm gonna say is about the Fast and Furious days of New York City. When the Fast and Furious came out, everyone was a racer. It didn't matter if you had a car, you had a motorcycle, if you had a scooter, if you had a skateboard, everybody was a racer. And in a future episode, I'm going to go into detail of the Fast and Furious days in New York City. So stay tuned for that. The way the scene worked in New York City is people liked to show off. Everybody had the need for speed. Everybody needed to go fast. I'm chilling with Captain Crook one day, and Captain Crook will be introduced in the future, here soon. One of my very, very close friends. And we were really mischievous together. Captain Crook and I were just chilling. At the time, he had an MPV, and that was the party van. That was the vehicle that we used to get all around town. He tells me that he hears about some guys racing motorcycles. And he's like, there are people all around and they're just watching them fly by. Let's go hang out over there and chill for a bit. So we did. 
The location of this was in the Bronx and it was on the Hugh L. Grant Highway, which was not a highway. It's a regular street in the Bronx. Literally, it's the street. It's a two lane on each side, so four lanes wide. And then you have your apartment buildings and your apartment building is not a highway like you're typically used to a highway where it's just the road, three lanes of highway and and no houses and stuff like that on the side of the road. <laughs> People are zooming down that. 25 mile per hour speed limit. And it's a downhill. You'll reach maximum speeds on that thing if you start all the way from the top. Zooming, people. Zooming. This one guy is on a bike. And I swear to you, he has to be doing 120 to 140 miles an hour on a motorcycle. Obviously, no helmet. Because who wears helmets? A buck 20, a buck 40, flying down the Hugh L. Grant Highway. And the kid loses control, man. Mm. Loses control. He is literally free flying, not falling because he's going so fast. And hits a tree. Let me tell you something about the trees in New York. In New York, in order to protect the trees, they built steel uh, cages around the trees. And apparently that'll protect the tree from getting backed into by a vehicle. People drive pretty crazy in New York, especially when they're trying to park into really tight places. You'll hit a lot of trees and you'll do some damage and next thing you know, the tree is dead. So in order to avoid that, they protect the trees by building little steel cages around, around them. That's what the guy hit. Perfectly on the edge. And when I tell you people, I shit you not, it cut him in half. The lower part of his body went somewhere and the rest of it went another place. It was horrific. It looked like something out of a movie it looked like it was fake. So what did me and Captain Crook do? I'm not a witness. How does that one of my raps go? <laughs> I'm not your god or your witness, man. I'm the, I give you the business, man. We took off of there. We're not going to be there filling out police reports. That's not what we do. But yeah, I closed my eyes. And I could see this guy getting... Decapitated is not the word. Dismembered is not the word either because, I mean, dismembered is when they're talking about your limbs. He's literally getting split in half. That is exactly what happened. And I guess this adds to me not being empathetic. They ask me, Oh, uh, would you be able to make a decision for the lives of millions of people and I'm like sure kill one person to save a million no problem 
I will not lose any sleep. Now, if they ask me, that one person is your son or your daughter, all you got to do is kill them and you save a million people. I will let a million people die and I will sleep like a baby. It got to a point where we would watch snuff films like uh, Faces of Death. I watched all four parts of that where they were literally blowing people's faces off with AK-47s. Dudes setting themselves on fire in protest. It's horrific stuff. Not for me. I could look at that and go to bed right then and there. Playing violent video games, watching horror movies, that's entertainment for me. We grew up in that. We were born in that darkness. So be careful what you expose your kids to or let your kids be exposed to. You might wake up one day with a psychopath next to you. (laughs) And that's all I got. Don't forget to like, rate, and share. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, the links are in the description below. On next week's episode, we have our first guest. We are going to dive deep into the realm of alcoholism on The Real Hangover Part 1. As a matter of fact, I'm going to play you a small snippet. But uh, that and seeing how I ended up in so many similar situations, I had some kind of drive to persevere beyond what I felt that he ever did because obviously what he did ended his fucking life. Yeah. I remember like a month before it happened, seeing him make the noose that he hung himself with. Oh, shit. And uh, asking him why, what that was for. Don't be mad at me. This is what you guys asked for. You want the deep? You want the dark? You want the real? And I'm providing this for you. It's Frank Martinez from This Really Happened. And the beans will continue to spill. Join me every week for a new story 